the most rewarding part of what I do when I travel across Canada sharing Terry's story because I have people coming up to me, uh, mothers coming up to me to say thank you. Thank you for Terry because if, if not for Terry, my son wouldn't be here today. Or I have people coming up and saying my, my grandmother or my cousin might not have been here uh, if not for what Terry started in 1980 and because of the impact that he's had on cancer research in this country. In 1980, with one leg having been amputated due to cancer, Terry Fox embarked on an east-to-west, cross-Canada run to raise money and awareness for cancer research. Unfortunately, Terry wasn't able to fully complete his journey, but his efforts have resulted in a worldwide legacy, inspiring annual Terry Fox runs around the globe and raising hundreds of millions of dollars for cancer research. On this episode of the Ireland-Canada Connection, I am joined by Terry's older brother, Fred Fox, who manages supporter relations at the Terry Fox Foundation. Fred talks about growing up with Terry and what he was like as a kid, the remarkable fortitude with which he handled his cancer diagnosis, the genesis of the Terry Fox run and the impact that it has had worldwide ever since. Now, before we get to my conversation with Fred, this year's Terry Fox Run Ireland will take place in Herbert Park in Dublin on Saturday, September 16th at 9am. 100% of the proceeds from the run will go directly to the Irish Cancer Society to help fund world-class cancer research. If you would like to sign up for this year's Terry Fox Run Ireland, please just check out the show notes to this episode where you will find more details and the link to register. So let's get straight to my chat with Fred Fox. We start out by talking about the Fox family household and what life was like when they were all kids. Terry Fox, your brother, your younger brother, what was he like? What were things like in your house? What was your relationship like when you were kids? Yeah, um, you know, Terry and I are, I am the older brother of the four Fox siblings and uh, Terry and I are only 14 months apart in age. So uh, pretty close in age, a year apart. Um, and yeah, growing up, we were very, very close doing many things. Um, you know, we were very, our household was very active in athletics and different sports. Um, that comes from our mom who uh, played uh, ice hockey as a kid. You know, she had older brothers and played ice hockey and baseball and all of that. So um, it was something that we did uh, at home all the time. Um, so lots of things. Mom and dad were, you know, we grew up in the 60s and 70s. So they uh, were fairly strict with us, but, but taught us all the right things that we needed to know. And, uh, but Terry, you know, we didn't know this, of course, you know, back when we were growing up, but he, but he really was. And he thought of himself as this as well, just an, an average ordinary Canadian kid. Um, you know, people who know of Terry running across Canada, the obstacles that he, he faced, uh, I've had people say that Terry must have been an incredible athlete, uh, like, you know, superhuman. And Terry never really thought of himself that way. He was an average, ordinary kid, had to work harder than anyone else, uh, whether it was in sports or even in the classroom at school. Uh, he had to work harder than anyone to overcome the challenges uh, that he faced. So Terry wasn't afraid to fail. Uh, he tried all kinds of sports. We played hockey, baseball, soccer, uh, um, basketball. Terry tried out for the grade eight basketball team. Uh, our junior high schools uh, back then were grade eight to 10. And he, he tried out for the grade eight basketball team, 
no exaggeration. He wasn't, uh, he was probably one of the smaller boys in all the school, definitely in, in grade eight, uh, 12 or 13 years old and uh, practiced with the team for a couple of weeks. And the coach came to him after a practice and said, you know what, Terry, maybe, maybe the wrestling team, maybe the cross country team for the school would be more suited for you. And Terry kind of took that as a challenge. And uh, by the time he got to grade 10, you know, never quit in grade eight. By the time he got to grade 10, he was one of the starting players and the, and the captain of the team. And, and that kind of determination that Terry had continued. Uh, so basketball became his favorite sport. Um, and then where I am this, today um, at Simon Fraser University in Burnaby uh, near Vancouver, Terry came up here and tried for the basketball team up here and uh, uh, made the junior varsity team in his freshman year. So um, became something that he loved to do is play basketball. Then one of the defining moments in his life which set him on a whole different path was am i right it was a a, a car crash yeah he had a little on uh, coming to school here to simon fraser he had a, a bit of a fender bender and uh you know he, he you know speculation is that he you know he hit his knee on the dashboard of the vehicle and that might have caused something and um a few months later uh you know he, you know he was playing basketball at the time and he had a, a bit of a knee injury um, always thought that it was maybe a sports injury, never thought that it was connected to the, um, the car accident. But, uh, you know, in early March of, uh, 1977, you know, the Terry got up one morning to come to school and the pain was so bad that our dad ended up taking Terry to the hospital. He did some x-rays and tests and they found that he had a type of bone cancer in his, uh, in his right knee osteogenic sarcoma. Is this a serious type of cancer? Is it something that requires a lot of the, the, the same kinds of treatments that would we expect from any kind of cancer diagnosis today? Yeah, it, it, uh, probably very likely very different today than it was in the 1977. Terry was told he was eight, only 18 years old. He was told um, that day in, in the Royal Columbian Hospital in U.S. Minister, Terry was told that he had in four days he was going to have to lose part of his right leg above the knee. And you know, that was what they would do uh, to tackle it right off the bat. Um, Terry had to take chemotherapy treatment for 16 months, made him very sick. But it, it changed his life, to, you know, it, it, which is an understatement. Uh, seeing other people going through the same thing, going through can, uh, chemotherapy, young and older individuals, it really impacted Terry and changed his life. And, t- and today, you know, I hear often from researchers and from patients uh, cancer survivors that, you know, their cancer journey was a little bit different than Terry's, uh, you know, 43 years later, 45 years later, when Terry was diet first diagnosed today, in many cases, uh, because of cancer research, uh, you don't have to lose your limb, leg, arm, whatever it might be. And, uh, people are surviving that cancer diagnosis because of research today. Um, the amputation, can you, do you remember, do you have memories around the time of the impact it had on the family, how Terry handled it in the early stages? You know, Terry handled it probably better than anyone else. And I think that's what you find with, uh, uh cancer patients. They, you know, they, they're at Terry's attitude. You know, you hear about, uh, some of Terry's coaches say his attitude was amazing and he had this positive attitude. He, he had decided at one point that he wasn't going to look back he was going to move forward with his cancer diagnosis. And, uh, um, you know, I wasn't around much, uh, around home much anymore at that point. I, you know, graduated from high school, out doing my own thing, working. And, but uh, Terry accepted the fact that he was now an amputee 
and uh, and he was moving things forward, and he often joked about it. And uh, I, I, you know, I had a little bit harder time to deal with that, only because I see my see, I was seeing my brother in a different way. And um, but Terry Terry moved forward and uh, continued to play wheelchair basketball. Uh, Rick Hansen, another uh, very famous Canadian here in Canada, who wheelchaired around the world, and. Uh, heard about Terry Fox that Simon Fraser invited Terry to play wheelchair basketball. So Terry just moved everything forward. He he wasn't going to look backwards. Did I hear you tell a story on a previous interview I, I heard with you that was it the night before one of the maybe the night before the operation or the night before something you, you kind of talked to him as an older brother might and you kind of said, well, why you? Why why has this happened to you? And his answer was was very, very interesting and very telling of the man. Yeah, um, I knew I had the opportunity. I, I knew, you know, I was going to go to visit Terry the night before his operation, and I, I'd, I was working at the time. I was at work all day, and really kind of stressing out about what I was going to talk to Terry about because I knew it was just going to be him and I in his hospital room. And I walk in there, and we, you know, kind of chit chatted a little bit, and then I said, I said to him just that. I said, Terry, why you? Why do you have to have cancer? All your dreams are coming true. You know, you're you were playing basketball at, at a fairly high level, you know, you were working towards your university degree, YU, and Terry's answer was, as Terry answered everything, um, he said, Fred, why not me? I've been told all my life to this point that I'm not big enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, this is just another challenge I have to overcome. And, uh, you know, at that point when Terry said that, I knew he was going to be perfectly fine. As I said earlier, he, he was just moving everything forward. Yeah, and uh, he moved for- things forward <laughs> very, very quickly and very significantly. Um, the the marathon of hope. Let's jump forward to that. Wh- where mm-hmm. did this idea come from? What inspired Terry to come up with this idea of the marathon of hope? And and what was it? Yeah, you know, I, I uh, last couple of weeks ago, I had an opportunity to go to um, the athletic awards at the high school that we Terry and I graduated from, and uh, you know, and you. Know, I made a comment. I, they asked me to speak about some of the coaches that Terry had during his time at uh, Porcoquillum High School. It's now named Terry Fox Secondary High School. And um, our high school basketball coach, um, again, the same day, the day that Terry, the day before Terry had his operation, our high school coach, basketball coach came to Terry with an article about an, uh, a fellow in New York who had ran the New York Marathon. Uh, he was an amputee. And it kind of Terry, it kind of planted a seed in Terry's mind. He thought that if he could run, I can run on artificial legs. So it kind of started there. Um, Terry went through his chemotherapy treatments, was inspired by what he saw there, uh, started to train two years after he was first diagnosed in February of 79. He started to run um, every day, adding a little bit more mileage every day. And... uh, you know, not ever telling mom and dad why he was running. He told them he was going to run the Vancouver Marathon that take, takes place every year, the first weekend of May in Vancouver. And um, but that's you know, Terry had another idea. He just wasn't being completely um, honest with them at first. But uh, eventually, he told mom and dad that he was going to run across Canada. Incredible. What what was their reaction? Now, what was your reaction? 
Yeah, mom's reaction. Uh, you know, Terry and our brother Daryl and uh, Terry's good friend Doug Allward had gone to Prince George, BC, in the north of the province to run a 27 kilometer race. And Terry finished that race, um, came back home the next day. It's a long drive, eight hour drive back to Port Coquitlam, and told mom the next day what his plans were. And uh, she got very upset, being very protective of her children. And she said, Why would you do a silly thing like that? Run across Canada. Um, you know, if you want to raise money, just run through British Columbia, uh, finish in Vancouver and in Stanley Park, raise money that way. And Terry's uh, answer to mom was, um, you know, not only people in BC get cancer, not only people in British Columbia get cancer, people right across Canada do. I need to start in St. John's, Newfoundland. And mom couldn't argue with that. My attitude or my thinking of it was being a little bit younger, being maybe not quite, uh, you know, all that mature or whatever, took it for granted. When Terry told me and knowing and seeing all of the, the things that he'd um, taken on in his life, the challenges that he had taken on in his life, I said to him, good for you, Terry, you're running across Canada, we'll see you when you get back home. Never, never anticipating how Canada, how Canadians would uh, uh, grab onto Terry and, and support him along the way and what the Marathon of Hope became. Well, it became huge and we'll get to how just how big in a couple of minutes. But uh, as often with things, when we look back on them that are huge today, we think, yeah, straight out the traps. This thing was huge. Everyone was cheering all the way and it ended and it's only got bigger since. But it wasn't necessarily like that. Those first those first days or weeks, uh, people weren't even sure that this was actually going to continue. Is that fair to say? Yeah, you bet. Um, you know, Terry had to. To, he wrote letters. Uh, he came up with a letter that he wrote and sent it to different companies to get support to the Canadian Cancer Society. Um, he, him and his good friend Doug Allward arrived in Newfoundland and St. John's. Um, not very many people there to see Terry off. Uh, only a handful of people to see Terry off. Only local media nationally across Canada. The National media weren't on, on, on top of the story yet. Uh, he made his way through Newfoundland in the middle of April. It's still kind of winter there and uh, cold and hilly. And um, as Terry made his way through Newfoundland and stopping at the different villages along the way, more and more people became aware of what he was doing. And as he was getting, you know, making his way through the maritime provinces, uh, more people discovered what Terry was all about. Yeah. And it started to, to really grow and grow. And we're, I know. I know you were you were away um, a lot during this time. Did you have any contact with Terry during that period of time, or um, did you just sort of w- watch media coverage and, and and what your family were telling you? Yeah, you know, one of the stories I tell a lot is uh, you know Terry ran t- trained for for almost uh, he started training in '79, so he trained for. Uh, over a year, and I never saw him run once. I never ran with Terry. We were we were our family we were runners. We I never ran with Terry. Never saw him run. Um, first time I saw Terry run was on on the CBC News one night when he was in Newfoundland. That's the first time I ever saw him run. So we we were always watching the news every night, always picking up the local newspaper or the or the Vancouver Sun or Province here in the Vancouver area, the two daily newspapers. Um, Terry would send a couple of postcards when he had time. Uh, once he had finished the Maritimes, he didn't have he didn't have any time to do any of that. Uh, write postcards. He his once he hit that Ontario border is when things really uh, uh, blew up and went crazy in a in a great way. But uh, um, yeah, we ke- just kept track of Terry the best we could back then. Obviously, no social media to do that. Yeah, um, he didn't make it all the way. 
Um, how far did he make it? Yeah, to northern Ontario. Terry ran 3,339 miles. Wow. Over 5,300 kilometers. Uh, ran through Ontario, southern Ontario, ran ran beyond where he really needed to go. He didn't go straight north of Toronto. Uh, he went west to London, Ontario, and came back uh, to hit more people to be able to share his story. And But ran through northern Ontario and uh, was forced to stop on September 1st. Uh, four and a half months after he started in St. John's, Newfoundland, uh, because of the return of cancer. Okay. And um, how how long did Terry stay with you guys after that point? Yeah, he came home. Um, Mom and Dad had flown to, to Thunder Bay to bring Terry home. Um, came home and, um, you know, Canadians were amazing. And not only Canadians, but people around the world who knew of Terry's story were sending Terry cards and letters and support and raising money. When Terry left St. John's, he thought he could raise a million Canadian dollars and, uh, or went, left, uh, sorry, St. John's, Newfoundland, he thought he could raise a million dollars. But uh, at one point he changed his goal to a dollar for every Canadian and the population of Canada at the time was 24 million people. I think when Terry uh, had to come home from Thunder Bay, maybe two or three million dollars had been raised wow. at that point. Um, but once Terry came home, Canadians, people around the world were so supportive of Terry. Uh, in February of 81, about four months after Terry had to stop his run, he realized that goal of raising a dollar for every Canadian, $24 million was raised from his marathon of hope. Wow. And th- this, you know, did it feel at that point that did, did there come a time and maybe this was around that time or maybe after where it took on a life of its own that almost the the relentless sort of push to for awareness and everything starts to take care of itself a little bit the money starts coming in a little bit easier the story spreads that bit easier was there a moment um that you could feel that happening yeah, I think you could, I mean, you could feel that even when Terry was in southern Ontario in the Toronto area. But once he came back and, um, yeah, people wanted to be so helpful. One individual, uh, Isidore Sharp, who owns the Four Seasons Hotels uh, in Canada and around the world, was a big supporter of Terry while he was running the Marathon of Hope. He had sent a telegram to Terry um, I think a day or two after Terry had to stop in Thunder Bay saying that... Um, you know, he would do what he could to continue. And um, he established the Terry Fox run that happened uh, in first Terry Fox run happened in September of 1981, uh, a few months after Terry passed away. Um, and it's continued after that. And, you know, people have been participating and uh, continuing Terry's uh, dream now for 43 years. And uh, When did you get involved in the Terry Fox Foundation? Yeah, it was a foundation um, back in, when was that, 1993, I, I got involved. I was working for uh, Imperial Oil, Esso, Exxon, here in British Columbia, and I left them, and I came to uh, look after BC and the Yukon, uh, organizing fundraising events in communities and schools. I left for a few years, and I came back in 2009, and now at the national office. So, uh, But our family, I mean, of course, from day one, we've been very involved, uh, especially our mom, who uh, worked very closely with Mr. Sharp in creating the Terry Fox Foundation, um, speaking to people not only here in Canada, but around the world, sharing Terry's story. And 
Uh, mom and dad are no longer with us, but uh, you know, myself, my brother Daryl, sister Judy, even our own children are now out there uh, doing what we can to, uh, to share Terry's story. And what doing what you can has, has led to a lot because that 24 million has turned into over 750 million and, and beyond. Yeah, uh, we're probably very close to $900 million now. Oh, amazing. Dollars, of course. And that's money raised not only here in Canada, but, uh, you know, the support, the support internationally. Um, Terry Fox runs uh, happening um, all over the world. Right now, I think there's 30 different, con- approximately 30 different countries around the world have Terry Fox events. So, um, and a lot of it is expats, uh, Canadians, but uh, in a lot of countries it's not as well so uh terry would be so surprised when he passed away on june 28 1981 nine months after he had to stop in thunder bay he could never have imagined um how people around the world have taken up his cause to to continue what he wanted and raising money like that really really does make a tangible difference you mentioned earlier if if the same thing happened to Terry today, then he probably would not have had to um, lose his leg. Mm-hmm. And you must be watching the developments that are ongoing and the improvements that are happening as a result of the kind of money you guys and many other organizations around the world are making to try and fund research. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we're very cl- fairly, really very closely tied to the research community here in Canada. Um, Terry, when he was first diagnosed with cancer, here he was, an 18-year-old kid, and and really, in 1977, really didn't understand what cancer was when he was first diagnosed and made a commitment to do something about that, did some research found in Canada. There wasn't a lot of money going to research, um, and today that's completely different. And it's part of, it's the most rewarding part of what I do when I travel across Canada sharing Terry's story, because I have people coming up to me, uh, mothers coming up to me to say, thank you. Thank you for Terry, because if, if not for Terry, my son wouldn't be here today. Or I have, uh, you know, p- people coming up and saying my, my grandmother or my cousin might not have been here uh, if not for what Terry started in 1980 and because of the impact that he's had on cancer research in this country. When you're in schools and you're meeting young people and telling them Terry's story, what, what kind of things are you saying and what kind of reaction do you get? Yeah, it, it's it's amazing because, you know, we're speaking. I can remember when I first started speaking at schools uh, in the early, early 90s. And there were still kids in school that would have potentially could witness Terry running either in person or on TV. Um, now I'm speaking to kids who obviously weren't born 43 years ago when Terry ran his marathon hope. And, and in many cases, their parents or teachers weren't even born 43 years ago. So it's amazing how that's continued. And uh, one of our main uh, things that we talk about when we talk about Terry is Terry was just to a student. It, Terry was just like them. He was just a ordinary average kid. He had to work hard all the time. And that, you know, and, and Terry truly believed that, uh, um, you know, if you try that anything is possible. And he, that's kind of the message that uh, we give to kids all the time and speaking about Terry. It's not, you know, it, we talk about the marathon of hope and it, Terry getting cancer and all of that, but it's really about Terry just being an average kid and working hard. And you could see many of the goals that he, he set for himself come true because of that hard work, that determination, yeah. that extra effort he made all the time. 
you know, it sounds like the influence that you are having on kids goes far beyond raising money for vital cancer research, that it's just life skills, it's attitude, it's it's those soft skills that make someone's life successful that you're also passing on as well as, as a result of your, your time with Terry. I, I say all the time that Terry, you know, even even back in 1980, but Terry's more more than about somebody who had cancer. He's about he's an, he inspires people. I I uh, meet people all the time of different different walks of life that uh, um, you know have been inspired by Terry to go and beyond beyond their own limitations. Uh, not, not might not be a student, might be a you know a 40 year old man who uh, was having issues with. Uh, you know, you know, alcoholism or something like that, and saw Terry, Terry running one day and said, "Well, you know," and, and changed their lives. And you know, they've been runners ever since. And uh, so, you know, Terry does way in, impacts people's lives more than just within cancer. Yeah. Would you like to share the details for the Terry Fox Foundation, where people can can maybe find out more about what it's all about? Yeah, you know, we, our website terryfox.org um org uh go there and you can find all kinds of uh, information about terry his story uh different resources for students and and uh, it's it's quite amazing lots of video we have a youtube channel as well with different videos and documentaries uh um to learn more about terry a lot can learn a lot more than i i have to say for sure well, we'll, there'll be the Terry Fox run in Ireland in the not too distant future and the details of which we will give you in the links to this podcast and also in the show notes. Um, so make sure to check those out. In the meantime, Fred Fox, brother of Terry, thank you so much for sharing Terry's story, telling us about the organization and your role within it and continued success with this amazing, amazing venture. Well, thank you so much, Patrick, for having me and, and good luck with the run there in Ireland. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ireland-Canada Connection. Thanks to Fred Fox for his time and thanks to you for listening. And once again, if you would like to sign up for this year's Terry Fox Run Ireland, please just check out the show notes for this episode where you will find more details and the link to register. Hope to see you there.